and this is Inquisitive Minds. Today with me I have Eric Moses, student, mountaineer, a hiker of trails, and explorer of the natural world. And today we're going to talk about his journey up the Pacific Crest Trail. So without further ado, Mr. Eric Moses. Hello everyone and uh, thank you for having me, Rick. Dude, no problem. This is kind of, it's sort of weird because uh, we've been struggling to get guests and then all of a sudden and Mac Max Mad Max's back pocket is like, Hey, you know, my roommate hiked the Pacific Crest Trail and I think that you would love talking to him. So now you're here, dude. Life's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it is weird. It's weird how these things happen. <laughs> so, man, I wanna first start, why did you decide to walk uh the Pacific Crest Trail and how long of a walk was that? Um so we uh my girlfriend and I, Morgan, we uh we took a year off of school when we were sophomores, we were in college, and uh, she's always been kind of wanderlusty, and so I never was really much like that, and so we kind of, I, I took her lead, and I, I really was like, well, let's do, let's do something crazy, like, and so initially we started off wanting to go to, um, we were going to fly over to New Zealand, because we had some friends in New Zealand that we could stay with, and then work our way up through the, uh, the Ring of Fire, as they call it, along the north coast of Japan, Vietnam, all those places. Uh, and that was really expensive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Very expensive. So we uh, uh, we trashed that idea, and we, we were like, well, this is really close to home. The trail runs along the West Coast. So we were like, that sounds like a good idea. And uh, and then we uh, set off to do that. When, where does the trail start at? So there's, uh, <clears throat> there's two terminuses that you can do. Um, so people usually hike south to north because uh, – you go from the harsh desert environments into the more temperate, uh, like, rainforest environments. Yep, yep. Um, but it starts in this small town called Campo, California, uh, and the town actually butts right up against the border of Mexico. And so we started uh, touching the border wall and then just start wa- walking right from there. Um, and then it ends about 15 miles into Canada. Whoa. Yeah. And how did you go all the way up to Canada? or No, no. We... Uh, uh, we got cut short in Oregon. Yeah? Yeah. Was it expensive? How did you, like, so I'm, I'm assuming, this is just how I'm assuming you would do it. You have a backpack, you have camping gear, food, right? How mm-hmm. much How much did your packs weigh? Um, so uh, we started off with about 50-pound packs a piece. Okay. Um, and so that's that's clothes, water, uh, all of the supplies that we thought we would need, and then then you start to thin that out when you realize what you really have going on. So um, by midway, we were carrying about twenty five to thirty five pounds. Whoa! Yeah. What what did you x um, cross off the back? See, uh, radios, uh, battery packs to like power stuff. Um, just, just things here and there, like extra shirts. We figured out that you could get by with using one shirt for a week and a half. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you're like, clothes are heavy. I don't need clothes. I don't need extra socks. Uh, I can, yeah, just utilize how much space you have and make sure it's efficient. So you ended up uh, on this journey, essentially kind of becoming a minimal, minimalist. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really fat. We're going to get into the ramifications of what this trip meant. But, oh, yeah. All right, man, what's the craziest thing you saw? when you were um man i wish i had some pictures to show you guys because uh there are several times i mean it's the pacific crest trail so you go over the top of mountains yeah and uh for me probably the best was we were um in southern california on this mountain called uh mount baldy okay and it's uh it's uh, a famous mountain that's based off of um one of the leaders of the boy scouts of america he like hiked up and did all this work for it and you can see the mojave desert the uh what's the What's east of the Mojave? Death Valley. You can okay. see Death Valley. You could basically three, see a 360 view of California from where you're at. And this is 10,000 feet up in the air. Whoa. Yeah. And Whoa. so, like, it's it was crystal clear, and you could just see everything around you. And, and like, it's kind of humbling because 
you're you're on top of this mountain and there's all the space around you and was it, was it like a long arduous hike up this mountain like oh, was there this was a yeah this was a brutal mountain so um we uh started off it was a four mile hike to get to the base which the base was actually about 3,500 feet away from the summit okay. and so um, the trail, the Pacific Crest Trail is graded for horses, so the highest that the incline goes is I think like 10, 12 degrees. Okay. Uh, we were hiking probably at a solid like 35 degrees through snow. So mm -hmm. we're going we're going up like this. Oh, just man. like, just but harsh. For people that can't see, that's like, I don't, I don't even know what angle. What it's angle would you say? Really, really steep. Like, like you're, you could scramble on your hands and, hands and feet up it. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, through the snow, and so, like, you have to step on trees, you have to find your way up, and... Uh, How was deep it? was the snow? Um, it wasn't too bad, it was maybe, like, six, eight inches, okay. kind of hard packed, so... Um, but we didn't have any equipment for it, so you're just, you're just scrambling. <laughs> <laughs> no way, did you... Now, so you're hiking up this, um, and I'm assuming, it was like, was it pretty hot, was it cool, was it... This was, this was I should ask, should have asked, what time of year was this? Mm. Yeah, so most people start, um, they start the trail on the southern terminus, uh, um, end of March, early April, because uh, you beat the, the rains, and uh, you allow some of the snow to melt off, because the trail itself takes anywhere from four to six months to complete the whole okay. trail. It's uh, 2,665 miles in total. Yeah. And so... Uh, <clears throat> You have to compete with the snow melting and, and everything. So um, this specific instance, we were right at the end of April. Um, we'd gone about 400 miles already. So there wasn't a ton of snow, and the weather was pretty was pretty mild. I mean, you could be hiking. You're, you're carrying a lot of weight. You're doing arduous yeah. workouts, so shorts and a T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you encounter any other uh, people, any other explorers on this oh, trip? Oh, yeah. That was uh, actually one of my favorite parts was um, – I think the statistics that I saw last was about 7,000 people attempt it every year. And so that first 400 mile block really weans a lot of people out, but you meet, you meet everyone. And so um, we'll get into this a little bit more, but there's towns that you go to resupply in. Okay. Yeah. And so people that you meet, you meet up in town with. And so you're with like 40 other people that are doing the same thing. What, what, uh, what, so there's towns you resupply and so I'm assuming, do you have a map? Is there like a specific map that you, you purchase? Like the Pacific Crest Trail maps, you've got stops, you've got, is that what, is that what kind of goes on? Yeah, there's, uh, <coughs> there's, uh, multiple apps that you can use for it that, uh, that'll do just GPS based maps. And then I bought, um, a specific maps that'll use, uh, USGS old school maps and then okay. it shows the trail and all that stuff, so. So what is it? So what is it? What was your favorite stop? Oh yeah, um, I think it's hard to say. It either boils down to two or three of them. The first big stop that we made was in this little town called Idlewild. It's about 177 miles north of the border, um, and this is actually at the base of Mount San Jacinto. So this town is like tucked away and then on the outside there's just mountains okay and so like oh, sounds glorious oh it's great and so like to we ended up skipping a section to get into town because we really did not want to hike this part it was uh, deemed kind of dangerous and so we get in there and it's kind of like this fairy tale town where mountain folk everyone's super friendly you walk to the store you walk everywhere mm -hmm. and uh, that place was great the other place um was this uh family that um really really likes the pacific crest trail and all the people they open their home up to all the hikers it's called hiker heaven what and yeah yeah it's hiker heaven this little town in uh it's called aqua dulce yeah in southern california and so um you you walk there off the trail and you can stay for a maximum of three days and they have showers uh laundry that you can do there's like restaurants nearby that you can go to and so when we were there, we actually had the largest group of hikers that they had had. Um, There's 78 of us. Yeah. What? 78 hikers. in this, in this little house? Or? It was, it was uh, yeah, a little house. They had a trailer that, like, you could watch TV and stuff in, and then a backyard where you set your tents up. And so, like, everyone's milling around. You're hanging out. You drink beer. You just, Ooh, like, yeah. just yeah. relax. Yeah. Just kick it. 
did you meet any lifelong friends or forge any relationships that you've continued since this hike? Yeah, actually. Um, uh, so we met this group of hikers that um, no one, only two of them knew each other before we started. And what happens is, so everyone hikes at different paces. Um, you'll be walking and sometimes you'll see someone like taking a break and so you stop and chat, chat with them a little bit and then uh, and then you continue on and then you stop and then they catch up with you and so we would kind of like keep pace with each other and there was this group of eight people um, and I know their, uh, their trail names, their, their real names, so that's another factor to it but um, you kind of abandon your real name, yeah, because no one, you go out there as like a new person, right? And yeah. So, people give you a nickname based off of like your personality traits or your habits or anything like that. So like mine was bottomless cause I could eat so much food, <laughs> just so much food. Yeah. Um, but we had a, we had a, a nurse, her name was early bird cause she always got up early. Uh, another, her name was Butterfingers cause she dropped stuff. Um, we had backtrack who several times went opposite directions that she needed to. Whoa. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. Um, uh, we had, Another friend, it was Etch-a-Sketch. This guy was super talented at Etch-a-Sketching. Yeah. And so when we would stop, he would just go and play on the Etch-a-Sketch and draw, like, real, like really dope pictures and stuff. Um, and then we had our friend, uh, oh, that was Leah. Sunshine was a, a man we met from California who was a pilot who, like, didn't really know what he was doing with his life. So he was like, I'm going to go hike the trail. And, uh, yeah, it was just this, it was this group of people that they were all so welcoming and it was kind of our own little trail family. Like, Dude. Yeah. And now you, it's you and your girlfriend, and so you're hiking. But like, do you end up hiking significant portions of the trail with these people that you meet, or yeah, is it like you form little like clans? Yeah, or exactly. Yeah. yeah, and so like whenever you stop at these places, the like hiker heaven, Idlewild, you see these people around town, and then you just hang out with them, and like the friendships just grow. And uh, there's something about not being a part of society that you just kind of. You're so much more inviting to everybody. I mean, they're all going through the same hardships that you are. And so it's kind of like this shared camaraderie of like, we're all in the shit. Yeah. Like we need to support each other to get through it. And uh, um, it was great. It was really fantastic to meet people. And you, you hear their life stories of why they're doing it. And everyone has a different reason. But why were you doing this? Um, you know, I think it was because, uh, well, my girlfriend and I as well we took a trip to Europe we went and stayed with some of her um, family friends in Switzerland yeah and then uh, we we did a lot of hiking in Switzerland and just kind of did stuff like that and that really like resonated with me I wanted yeah. to go explore the world a little bit more and um, I don't know this just seemed like a really really cool way to do it there's no personal hardships, depression, anything mm -hmm. like that. No, I've never really been a depressed guy, but That's I, good. I didn't think so. Yeah. <laughs> Not with this smile. On my face. No, I, um, but yeah, no, I just, I, I also kind of wanted to see, like we'd always talked about what it was like to be homeless oh, and like, yeah, dude. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean like, because we're, I don't know, this is going to kind of branch off a little bit, but I mean, we, so we, and our society were so materialistic and accustomed mm -hmm. to the things that we have. And like, I wanted to see what it was like to not have anything. Yeah. Like you carry your life on your back. Yes. You have your food, your water, like you bear the brunt of your, your actions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. so I, I too, like just, we are splitting off, but I, I look at homeless people and I don't see uh, delinquents or like, you know, whatever negative connotations people have. I see freedom. Right. Every time I look at a homeless person, me and my cousin, Brad, we used to, we, every time we go to downtown Portland, we'd look at these, these people and he'd be like, man, they're living the dream. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, no bills. They worry about one thing or two things. A, what are they going to eat? And mm -hmm. B, like, or if they're an addict, where's their next fix? Right. And, and you can sleep anywhere. You're completely free. Mm -hmm. You don't have a cell phone. You're totally anonymous. Like, I don't know. I don't understand, and I don't understand the negative connotations because they're just people like you or me. And when I look at someone like that, I I, I always have said this. I'm one step away from being homeless. Hell, I lived yeah. in a truck for a while. Yeah, just to see what it was about. It's mm -hmm. not that bad. No, it's not that bad. It's not. And 
that yeah, it's you and another life essentially. Mm-hmm. You're one bad decision away from being homeless at all times. Realistically, you know, oh yeah, it's it's would be very easily to end up in that situation. Tangent rant over. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, really, and, and like ever since that too, um, it just kind of it kind of dropped the materialistic like aspirations that I had. Like I, I always thought I wanted to have a really big house. I wanted to have all these fun toys and like. Those things sound nice, but they're not essential, you know? I'd rather have the experiences that you make from living and having money to make those experiences happen than just, like, owning fancy things. That is – I couldn't agree with you more. And miners of intelligence, people listening, that it doesn't get any truer than that. In my opinion, life is all about relationships and experiences because all the shit that you accumulate, you can't take it with you when you die. Nope. You can take can't. tattoos to the grave, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't have any tattoos. <laughs> I, you know, and I wish I did. I just I don't think I'm cool enough to yeah. get a tattoo yet. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what it is. I just have I'm in the same boat. I, I want to. Yeah. I just don't think I'm cool enough. No, I think you're cool enough. It's just Thanks, man. That yeah. means a lot. <laughs> I think you gotta find what what fits right for you though. You gotta find the tattoo. I have an idea. I have an idea. I just haven't done it yet. Yeah. But plus you gotta, I'm kind of a contrarian, so mm-hmm. it's like, well, if I never get a tattoo Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just that badass. Because everyone right. gets tattoos now. So yeah, the like culture shifts a little bit. It's to, to, to get one. <laughs> yeah. But fuck it. I don't really care what people think is cool. Mm-hmm. I should stop saying that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any wildlife, man? What, what kind of wildlife do you see? Let's see. You, you're in the mountains, so you, there's, there's a chance you could have encountered mountain goats, bighorn sheep, elk, deer, Mountain lions, bobcats, lynx, possibly no lynx. Wolverines. Mm, I don't think wolverines. coyotes. Coyotes. Yeah. You we, see, what do you see? We saw we saw two coyotes, and uh, um, these were in pretty wilderness parts. So, um, just like make eye contact with them, and they scamper off. Um, there were a couple of uh, a couple of record reports of people being stalked by like bobcats, and so like they'll say, hey there's a bobcat in this area stay in groups if you're gonna camp like mm-hmm. just be smart about it um but most of the weird stuff that i saw was was smaller reptiles Ooh. um frogs spiders i saw giant tarantulas about the size of a saucer cup no yeah so so like Sorry. what we would do in the desert it's so hot during the day you hike at night so you have a headlamp and so the wildlife shifts because it's nighttime and so um, we're walking along the trail, and there are these holes in the ground. I was like, I wonder what does those. And as you start walking at night, you see little fuzzy legs coming out of the holes right underneath where you're stepping. Yeah. And so, like, along with that, you can't you can't leave your shoes outside because you can get lizards, spiders in yeah. them. So, yeah. Scorpions. Do you see any scorpions? Lots of scorpions. No way. Yeah. Dude. That was cool. I've always wanted to eat a scorpion. I thought about it, yeah. Oh, man, you should have. Yeah, we uh oh we all, we never saw any rattlesnakes, which is Thank actually God. But yeah. everyone else did. We didn't see any. Like some people saw maximum seven of them, and we never encountered a single one. I can't. I can't do it. Yeah. Honestly, for some reason, um, I I didn't know I was afraid of snakes until I was hiking Bald Hill, mm-hmm. and uh, I saw what I mean in Oregon. You don't think it, there's rattlesnakes east of the state, but there's. Little these little bastards called gopher snakes. And yeah. They're not little, but they're kind of big. Mm-hmm. And I was walking with my girlfriend at the time, and I see this slithering serpent from hell come all, along the trail, and it was a lot bigger than I expected it to be. It's uh, you know like a size up from a garden snake, so mm-hmm. a, a, between a garden snake and a rattlesnake, which rattlesnakes get pretty big. And I just I remember saying effing snake, <laughs> and I jumped into my girlfriend and then kind of like she thought I was defending her but honestly I was just getting out I thought I was going to die and uh, that's when I realized (laughs) that's when I realized I was I was afraid of snakes and uh, I hate them yeah I I hate them all yeah It was, uh, you know, it was less the, uh, it was less the idea of like running into a snake that scared me, and more of the, you never know what's there because yeah. they, so they like to hide in the underbrush right next yeah. to the trail, and so <coughs> if you're walking really fast, you can't pay attention. So like, you you either kick your your stick out if you have a hiking pole and like touch the brush, or just guess. Ooh, yeah, man. and that's not fun. No, <laughs> it's not. So like, 
I'd imagine being in the desert in the middle. How you were, you're pretty far away from civilization at all times, or yeah. The uh, um, what it would what would happen is you could get to civilization or like a road probably every three to five days. Okay. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So you're out there. What man? I this is something I, I wrote down for 2017 is is to try and and see like look up look up at the stars more and witness sunrises and sunsets more i would like to do that every day unfortunately that doesn't always happen but yeah how nice was that every night to go to bed looking at the stars probably i'm assuming you had campfires some of the time no we uh just i mean it's southern california oh, yeah, it's, it's so dry. dry yeah oh, that sucks yeah no campfires yeah, I mean, and, and realistically, at the end of the day, you're so tired of, oh, I mean, we would hike 20 miles a day, so, like, you're just tired, you you drop in your sleeping bag and you go to bed, like, you, you're in your bag within 30 seconds, you're passed out, so, um, surprisingly, the stars were so much better here in Oregon than they were in California. It's all the smog. Yeah, because we, uh, the trail takes us right past Los Angeles and mm-hmm. uh, San Bernardino and a lot of those places, and so... The smog just really suffocated it, but it made some beautiful sunsets. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh man, I bet. that is mm. that's amazing. Man. I'm I'm really jealous of you and this experience. What kind of food were you eating? Like when you would restock, what would you buy? Um. Oh well, I mean, I can answer your question about how we would restock. So <clears throat> every time we would come into town, uh, uh, I worked with my mom, and she would send us like packages of food and stuff through uh, USPS. So. You get into town, and then we would have like a mystery box of what we were gonna get. Um, but it's uh, lots of dehydrated foods. Um, so my mom would dehydrate like vegetables, peppers, uh, all of that stuff, so we could get some sort of nutrients. Protein bars, tortillas with peanut butter. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that was a luxury right there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can see his face, the grin. He's like, oh man. Anyway. <laughs> oh. Even now, even nowadays, when I eat, when I'm just like. Fond memories of this. Uh, uh, lots of peanut butter. Um, I mean, you're running, you're running at a calorie deficit, r- right? Yeah, but you need. I mean, I'd be eating about five, six thousand calories a day. Oh gosh. Yeah, and losing weight. At how much? That. Yeah, how much weight did you lose? Um, I started off on the trail at about one seventy eight, and I dropped to one sixty seven when I was done. Yeah. And I don't have a lot to lose. No, you can see, no, you're so. very skinny. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did put on a lot of muscle in the in the in the legs because you just you get used to carrying that pack. But uh, I could not do a pull up when I was done. Like pull ups and push ups were difficult for me, and I I always have been able to do that. So yeah, yeah. That that well, muscle muscle's cheap. Yeah. So it's easy to build and it's very easy to lose. Mm-hmm. So that makes that makes a lot of sense. Man, that. I did, wouldn't I wouldn't have thought of that though, like the office operating in calorie deficit. I'm a bigger guy, so yeah. I don't know. I don't want to lose any of my arm muscle. There was uh, there was several people we met on the trail mm-hmm. who uh, started off. I don't know. I mean, like middle aged men at like 45. You started at about 270, and by the end they had lost 60 pounds. Oh yeah. 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 Like I think that would be a very. I mean, I think Eddie Izzard. Uh, Google this, Max. Uh, ran through. Europe to lose weight. You just started running every day mm-hmm. and lost weight that way. Yeah. So, if you're listening to this and you want some ideas on weightlifting and a spiritual awakening, maybe you should uh, look into the Pacific yeah. Crest Trail. It's not too bad. Or just walk across America. There you go. There's a guy that um, I I reached out to uh, via the Reddit scene, and he walked across America, but he lives in another state, and I don't really want to do a uh, digital podcast where he's on Skype and mm-hmm. I, I still think that the, the sound quality would be good plus I like face to face interaction so yeah but I'd love to do a podcast with someone like that I oh yeah that would be really cool yeah there's actually there's this uh oh you got the what was this guy's name Eddie Izzard I Izzard. Uh, let's see see if he ran across Europe to run let's, let's check this out well he's Max. yeah well he's looking that up there was uh there was another notable character that we met so, I don't know if you know, but there's three trails that are like the Pacific Crest Trail throughout America. Okay. And so, there's the Pacific Crest Trail on the West Coast. Appalachian Trail. Appalachian Ooh, Trail on the East it. Coast. And then the Continental Divide Trail runs through uh, about middle America. <gasps> this guy did all three in one year. 
He did over 10,000 miles of hiking in a year. Do you know this guy? I do. Where does he live? He lives in Washington. <gasps> He's a Vancouver resident. No way. Yeah. Dude, are you in contact with him? Yeah. No, oh, buddy. Yeah. You got to put me in touch with him. Oh, yeah. You got to put me in touch with him. Um, I would love to do that. His trail name was Legend. Legend? <laughs> yes. It's, what the? Why would he do that? Just because he wanted to. Uh, what a bad mother effort. Oh, yeah. Guys, this I'm guy, trying to clean up my language. This guy this guy would hike uh, 35 to 40 miles a day on average. So, No you, one's hiking with him. No, no one's hiking with him. We saw him once. How? How? <clears throat> what does he look like? Um, kind of the same body structure as I am, but he's uh, about two inches taller, so he's 6'5". And uh, he's just got a big woodsman's beard, and other than that, like just any other normal guy that you would imagine. Um, and uh, we ran into him when we actually hopped off the trail in uh, Kennedy Meadows. Okay, and where's that at? That's uh, it's right at the base of the Sierra Mountains. Okay, so it's uh, I don't know if anyone's from California here, but it's north of this little town called Lake Isabella. Okay, and uh, it's like nestled away. It's got a population of like 120. So yeah, yeah. There's yeah, California is a weird state. You've got, because 90% of the population lives in the southern southern half of the state, southern California, and 90% of the state is rural. Yeah. Which is very interesting. So you would you had got to experience that a lot, the, yeah. the vast expanses of California. Of nothingness. Of yeah. nothingness. Just, is it kind of a, is there, because I... I'm a desert rat. I mm-hmm. love I love high desert like Bend or you know the Burns area, the Burnt River Canyon, Hell's Canyon. I love that. Mm-hmm. But I also love the desert like Arizona, Nevada. I'm a yeah. big fan of, of oh yeah of that. So, uh, what was what was some of the beauty that you were able to see in the desert, or what did you find if you did? If I'm assuming you did, what did you find enticing about the the desert? You know, I think what I liked so much about the desert was uh, I I studied geology as well. So oh, me I, too. I, yeah, I really, really enjoyed geology. And so they have, in Southern California, they got lots of granite, sandstone. Mm-hmm. And so with some of the mountains, you could see the progression of, of mineral deposits and, and how that would go. Um, but besides that, like if you're, if you're up on a high spot, you can see just how the land was kind of created. So there's a stream that runs through here and there's like, there's plant life all around oh, it, oh, yeah. all the way down, and then there's just nothing. There's just like shrubbery and stuff. Um, and I think I think what I liked the most about the desert was that it was a hostile environment that was trying to kill us, but was not trying that hard. Like I thought, Oregon was more hostile than Southern California Ooh, desert. What, why? Why would you say that? Ah, oh, okay. So um, I don't know if you've ever been wet and cold and had to continue doing rigorous activity yes i have and it's miserable exactly and so it's it's not like that's why i feel for like the homeless people in portland if we're gonna come back to that it's like you once you're wet and cold you can't do anything about it like you just gotta persevere though yeah if you stop not to sorry to interrupt you but i've always found that like the dry cold or the dry heat without the the moisture in the air the humidity i guess Mm mm-hmm that is the worst. When it's 37 degrees or, you know, 40 and raining, I, I've always found that to be a lot colder than, oh, uh, yeah. like, 20 degrees with no moisture in the air. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, when we, we we got to Oregon way too early because um, we hopped up from <coughs> – there's a whole story to this, but we Let's hopped t- up. Get from, into the story. So uh, we stopped at Kennedy Meadows because um, my uncle and his family lives in Vacaville, which is southwest of uh, what's the what's the major one right there? I can't think of the town right now. You might be able to look it up, but what area? It's uh, mid mid California. Did you get to that Eddie Izzard, by the way? Yeah, dude. The guy ran. Uh, 43 marathons in just under six weeks. 43 wow. marathons. 40, Eddie Izzard ran 43 marathons just in, just over, six weeks. in just over six weeks. How much weight did he lose? Oh. My Googler is in play. Boom. <laughs> Good to have you back, Max. We're, yeah, we're, we're missing uh, our beloved sound guy, DeMarco. So if you're listening to this, DeMarco, we miss you. Come back to Marco. We need to. <laughs> Come back, dude. We're running on one mic. Run, one mic today. So, I'll, yeah, apologize for the sound quality, but we're going to – it's going to turn out great. 
this is how Inquisitive Minds started. So, and we will return back here one more time because this this whole show is organic, and we're just trying to figure it out, which is a beautiful thing. I don't even know what the show is. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. The guy can't find this. Uh, does, he lost a bunch of weight. Yeah, <laughs> I was right on his. Yeah, so I'm just. I'm assuming I'm right on the weight loss thing. But right. Anyways. Oh, but so uh, we we got off in Kennedy Meadows because uh, my uncle's in Vacaville and he's got uh, colon cancer, unfortunately. Oh, I'm sorry, man. Yeah, it's, I mean he's 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 got a good life. So uh, we. But what we wanted to do was um, it was his birthday that was coming up, and mm-hmm. so my family from Oregon was coming down to California and like everyone was going to convene and there was going to be this giant party. Yeah. And like at this point I was getting pretty homesick. I was really having a hard time with the trail. And so I just wanted to see some family and kind of, kind of just enjoy them. Cause I, I don't know. I've always had a hard time with family. It's been a little difficult for me. And so, um, we, hopped off the trail we bust out to san bernardino and then my aunt who lives in san diego mm-hmm. was driving up and she picked us up and then drove us to to their house and okay. so um this was actually a great part of the trip because my uncle uh he owns his own airplane and so we got i got to fly a plane oh what yeah yeah he took us he took me and morgan up in the plane and i got to fly it for like five minutes was which it a little is, cessna or? uh it was a little yeah it was like the next step above a cessna okay. i can remember it but okay uh very fun, very scary. <laughs> yeah. Just to be so everyone knows, Eric made it 702 miles before having to get into that car. That's how far Kennedy Meadows yeah. is. Yeah, 702 miles 702 on foot. Miles. So, you know, you might say he didn't finish, but bitch. Yeah. Did yeah. You, have you attempted to walk 700 miles? 702? <laughs> no. You're a badass, dude. Yeah, thanks, dude. Um, so you said you were getting homesick or you had problems? Look. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, um, I, although I really liked the trail and everything that I had to offer, um, I was just, I was just kind of missing something. I don't know. It was like, I missed my parents. I missed my brother, uh, my friends back home. Cause I'd never, I'd never gone on a vacation without them. That was longer than like a month when I went to Europe. And yeah. so like, it just started to weigh really heavily on me. And, uh, um, not to mention the trials, the trail are, are vigorous and kind of, they take a lot out of you. It's not, it's not an easy process to mm-hmm. go through and get your ass whooped every day. So, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I was just kind of feeling, feeling like I needed to see some family and then we went and saw them and uh did you feel rejuvenated yeah kind of I it was kind of a a a double-edged sword because I really I was excited to get back to the trail but I also like I got showers I got to sleep in a bed I had I had the the fine life you know from from going from homeless and walking to relaxing drinking beers doing that stuff yeah and uh so that kind of that kind of uh, made it a little bit difficult to continue, but we we continued from there. My aunt, who lives uh, nearby my uncle, um, she drove us up to uh, Ashland, and that's where we started again from there. Okay. Okay. Nice. Yeah. And then you got cold and wet. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Ashland Ashland was was a whole different story because uh, we we set out from Ashland for about two days, and then. Uh, Morgan started to get sick, and I started to get sick too. And it was to the point where, um, this is, well, I'll just explain why we quit the trail so early. Was uh, we got sick and we stopped for a whole day. Uh, now, mind you, we packed enough food. We, we were thinking we were going to get to Crater Lake in five days. And it ended up taking us eight days to get there. So we had food for five oh, days. Oh, yeah. what? Yeah. And, uh, and not just that, the first, it was a hundred miles to Crater Lake. So we were like five days, 20 miles a piece. We can do this. Um, we got sick on the second day. We took day three off. So you still have to eat food. Mm-hmm. So you take your rations down. And then as you're recovering, you can't just go hike 20 miles the next day. So we, we hiked four miles and then we hiked eight and then we bumped it up to 15. And then once we made it past the 50 mile marker, shit hit the fan because uh, it was it was almost like a whole different trail experience because we crossed this highway. I think it was Highway 34 in Central Oregon. Okay. And uh, 
due to the snowstorms that they had the year before, uh, there was about, I don't know, the last 50 miles, we probably jumped over 250 pine trees that had fallen over mm-hmm. the trail. And so, I mean, you, you know what pine trees are like. Yeah. They're sharp branches. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and so you're you're climbing over those, and there was so much snow left over because it hadn't warmed up yet. We were a little ahead of schedule. And so we're, we're fighting with the snow. We're fighting with the trees. And there's mosquitoes everywhere. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Did you have bug spray? Uh, yeah, we had DEET, um, and we had, like, face masks and stuff, but... Uh, it's not enough. It's I don't it's think ne- it never it never is. No. no matter what, those little bastards always get you. Yeah, it, it this was this was the time where I started to have some uh, mental breakdowns. I cried like three times, man. What? Yeah, dude, you gotta take me take me through this right now. This so is, you're probably learning a lot about yourself. But. Yeah. So I mean, it was it, like we had gone through some hard times. I mean, I'll I'll come back and talk about the the really difficult days that we had. But this last stretch was just it was just kind of like morale crushing because the mosquitoes are they're always biting at you and stuff Mm -hmm. and that hurts but they also they're attracted to carbon uh carbon dioxide yeah Yeah. and so um they stick around your head and so if you have a face net on you can hear them and it never you never stop hearing the e sound uh and so i put i put like headphones in and try and block it out still hear it all the time so it's like the idea that you're being feasted on by another creature like you're their food source is is just like it's uh, a little disturbing to me um and then uh we started to get wet because we were in the snow and so like we didn't have boots or anything we were in uh trail runners and so our feet were wet um we were recovering from being sick and we didn't have enough food so we had to ration our food and so like you're hiking in the cold it's wet, it's raining, and it started to rain multiple times while we're there. There's mosquitoes, you're hopping over trees, and it's just like everything is trying to break you down. And because there was so much snow, you can't see the trail. So uh, I had my app out on my phone that would, it showed the trail, but no like topography or anything. <coughs> and so like if you go off trail, it tells you how far away from the trail you are. Oh. And so like we would go off trail and I'm hiking, I'm like, oh, we have to go 200 yards that way to get back on the trail and so like you don't know where you're going you're walking around snow ice falling into water and like not being able to eat so it's just it's just a lot and uh there was one day in particular well two days really where um as the trail crests over the top of these mountains they don't like the trail is like this wide Mm -hmm. and so if you're on top of this crest it is a steep drop and then there's the trail that's built into it but snow doesn't follow that rule, so snow just makes a steep thing. And like, there's this uh, thing called glissading, where you sit on your butt and you slide down the yeah. snow. Glissading. I yeah, like that. I like that word. Yeah. Anyways, um, and we had to do that multiple times, but it was like when we glissade, you can't go back. Like that's how steep it is. So, like we we came to this one part where like we have to figure out what we want to do. Do we go back and like? get help and like abandon it or do we just push forward and get to crater lake and uh we decided to push forward and like every day was just harder than the last and so like i'd get i'd get into bed and like i'd just start breaking down i'd just cry because like everything's fighting you 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 just cry together i no she she was my rock man she really yeah she she kept me strong um and uh i I really am like so grateful for her because I would have quit a lot sooner than that. Really? Yeah. She she was just like she would just like, you know, comfort me, make me feel that it was gonna be fine, and then like you know you just you can't stop. We've already committed to it, yeah. so it's like you just have to go. And uh, it was hard. It was really hard. To, <laughs> it was really yeah, hard. Man. What was the most difficult day on the trail? Oh, that's easy. Um, so. Uh, Coming off of uh, Mount San Jacinto, which was where uh, Idlewild was, mm-hmm. um, it was a, uh, it was just hard because um, you're climbing over the top of this mountain, basically, and that night that we stayed, we stayed at the top of this mountain, there was a snowstorm, and so like we were covered in snow, we camped out on the side of this really steep hill that we like just found a flat spot where soil had built up, and so we woke up at six o'clock, it's below freezing outside, really low visibility because you're in the clouds, and we're getting hit with like 45 mile per hour winds. Ooh, and so, yeah, 
Um, so we, we just start hiking and like, it's cold. We didn't really have a lot for breakfast cause we just wanted to get off the mountain. And it turns out that getting off the mountain was a 14 and a half mile hike of switchbacks. So like we didn't, we also didn't have enough water for this point. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, not good. So like you're walking down the side of this mountain. Oh yeah. You're walking down the side of this mountain. You see, you see water. Mm-hmm. There's water down here and you have five more miles to go. Because, like, it's just rocks to get down it, and you don't know if there's rattlesnakes or anything. So we're being taunted by this. And um, in the meantime, uh, as we're walking down, just to kind of frame it, is uh, on the other side, there's this, like, really flat valley, and then more mountains on the, on the opposite side of this valley. Um, and as we finally got to the bottom, and we see water, we get our water, and we look over, and we see lightning strikes on the other side of the mountain. We're like, oh, that's that's cool like we're over here mm-hmm. uh, and then um we see rain and we have to walk straight across this valley to get to like one another hiker heaven and uh this valley is all sand and it starts pouring rain like like oregon torrents of rain yeah yeah and uh so the soil here is not meant for that and so it flash floods and we're walking through a flash flood right now so like, oh. so we're talking three inches of water. You don't know where the trail is, and we're just walking, getting pelted. We're cold. Let's sketch as f. Yeah, after fifteen miles of hiking already. So like, and you can't stop. No, there's no stopping now. No, there's it's, no stopping. It's literally like, at this point in 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 time, how scared were you? Uh, you know, I actually wasn't that scared. I. Um, going back to, to being humbled, I was just like, this is the strength of mother nature. Like I'm insignificant to what this is doing to me right now. You don't matter. I don't matter. I just have to take it, man. Like, and so like, me and Morgan were just kind of hooping and hollering because like, this is, this is the destructive nature. Like we got beat down all day and we get beat down more. And like, (laughs) and so like, we're, we're just like sloshing through mud and like three inches of water and the water's really cold and like it started raining so fast that we didn't have time to put rain gear on so we just have ponchos i'm in short shorts (coughs) and so like i'm soaked our stuff is soaked and so if we stop to set up a tent everything's gonna get wet and so we uh we just keep pushing on through and like we're just like trying to stay in good spirits um and then by the time we finally got to where like we could stop i had light hypothermia i was like I like couldn't hold things. I was like shivering so much, and we ended up having to sleep outside because there were so many people that day. That oh, uh, yeah. yeah, and so that was that was easily the hardest day. Was going from snow and high winds to water and and getting soaked was just brutal. What what was your most? And this is gonna uh, this is gonna be an awkward, weird question. What was your most primal moment? Like where you really felt like maybe you connected to what it would maybe would have been like to be an early man. I'm assuming that you would have had at least one of those uh, moments. Yeah, this was uh this was in Oregon as we were walking to uh to Ashland. I actually I have pictures on my phone that I'll have to show you at some point. Yeah. But um we post those on our on our Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll show you. Everyone go to our Instagram and check out our future photos of Eric's trip. Yeah, um, yeah I like it. Uh we were we had uh, gotten to this point where we spent the night at uh 8,500 feet up on like this little ridge. It was the only place that didn't have snow and uh, we didn't have enough water. So we woke up, no water to drink or anything. And uh, so on our maps, they like detail where water sources are. And uh, we um, we're walking on slopes that are like this Mm -hmm. snow and ice. And uh, we have these things that are called, they're not crampons, but they're like micro spikes that you like attach to your shoes. And so we, we, are walking up and down these things and walking through the snow and we get to this water source and this was like three miles after we woke up and uh the water wasn't there it was covered with snow and so i i had a little trowel and like we we needed to drink i was so thirsty and so i i took my stuff down and i was just like digging through the snow as fast as i could to find the water and like i dug through about six inches and i put my head down I could hear the water flowing and then it just started like freaking yeah, out I was just freaking like out. just losing my mind like I have never been so thirsty and like that was something I kind of took for granted was like if I want water I can have water and you don't 
can't have water. Yeah. So what, like, you, you sort of freaking out and, and digging frantically, and I'm just, I can, I'm very vividly picturing this, like, what thoughts were going through your mind? Like, do you think that your, your I want to say reptilian brain or animalistic yeah. brain, was that taken over at that point? Were you on autopilot? Was oh, it, were, absolutely. No way. Yeah. Just, well, because the singularly night focused, right? On yeah. one thing, and that was survival. Survival to yeah. get water. Yeah, get water and get out. Because the night before, um, Morgan and I, we were up on this ridge, and we were just like, you know, like we might die. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck. Like we we had figured that out because there's no escape. Like, there's no way we could. We we plotted out on our maps. Like, if we have to get out, we have to go this way. But like, there's no trail. You're just like backcountry finding your own way mm. and so it was, mm. it was like follow the trail and maybe die uh go out in the middle of nowhere where no one's gonna find us and, and maybe die most likely die yeah and or just keep going and so like that night we kind of made up our minds where it's like no matter what happens we just have to go like and uh God, i want to do this <laughs> so bad yeah there was uh there was that one there was another time where we were up on top of this mountain and a lightning storm came through and there's no coverage. And so uh, I don't know if anyone's ever been in a lightning storm like that, but I was I was terrified. I don't know how Morgan was okay. She, she called she called up uh, her friend Lauren and she was talking to her on the phone and I'm sitting here in a tent and I'm like rocking back and forth in the fetal position because I was just like, I don't want to die right now. I don't want to get hit by lightning on this mountain. That would That would be stupid. This would be really stupid. Dude, I want to do this. Yeah, it's this sounds incredible. Now, another thing that I think is very interesting is like, how much more do you love your girlfriend now after that? Oh, I'm gonna marry that woman, without a doubt. I'm gonna marry her. Yeah, there's no way. Like, we talked about this this before we left, where it was like, you know how people test the waters where they live together before Mm -hmm. they figure that out. Yeah, we were in life or death situations together. I. that to see, I've always wanted to, if I, whenever I decide to get a girlfriend or whatever, like that's, I want to put my relationship on that, that strain, just if like, because that's a, people, I don't think people think relationships seriously, but you're going to be having, potentially raising a family with something else. I want to see them at their worst. I want to see how we work when shit hits the fan. Right. And uh, I mean, we don't have that. We're, you, you essentially took a step back in time yeah. and you used your body, you adapted to situations, you put on muscle, you lost muscle in your arm, your body adapted to survive. You both had to rely on each other in these situations. I'm sure you guys fought, but I mean, mm-hmm. you, 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 in the grand scheme of things, like this little tiff we're having, yeah. you got to get through this shit to, to live. Right, know? exactly. Like that's even what we talked about too was we fought, I don't know, twice, but what we made clear was like we're not angry at each other we're just beat down like this is outside circumstances that make us feel like this way and it's not you that makes me mad it is i'm upset at the situation and you're an outlet yeah so we had to like and you kind of that kind of applies to everyday life too because like you get mad at external circumstances and then you bring it back and you're like this person's there for you and you take it out on that person and you just don't you don't do that yeah yeah you figure it out a little bit what's the next step um, What's the next adventure? So, uh, I mean, we're in school right now. We're going to finish up our degrees. And then um, my degree allows me to kind of work anywhere. I'm an environmental scientist and mm-hmm. in, in water. Um, and so I think what we're going to do is we're going to move out to Bend and uh, be ski bums for a little bit. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Free st- I like this. Yeah. I like this guy. Um, <laughs> we're, yeah, we talked about that. And then if not that, um, we might uh, – try and get visas to go live in Austria or Switzerland or mm. Germany for a little bit and uh, really utilize their time there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That would be fun. Now, I have one great question I ask. When you were on the trail, did you encounter any big, hairy mammals, perhaps maybe one that was about seven to, 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 to ten feet tall, mm. black, hairy, uh, called Bigfoot? Ah, Sasquatch. You see any squatches out there? You know, some of the other hikers, you probably would be able to say that they were Sasquatch. They were some <laughs> tall guys. And you're out there in the wilderness. You got all that beard going on, yeah, the yeah. long hair. Um, no, I never, uh, I never 
really encountered anything like that. Maybe if I did the whole of Oregon, I might have found something. No, I but hope so. I would. Do you believe to. in Bigfoot? I ask every one of my guests. Um, I I don't think that there is a like physical Bigfoot. You know, this is gonna sound a little off the wall, but I think it's more of like a nature spirit kind of thing. You know, you're the second person that said that. Yeah. Scarper do said yeah. it's the it's the. I don't know. I have to listen to that podcast. The spirit of the forest, exactly, so to speak. Yeah, I don't know if you know Native American like folklore. I'm yeah. very familiar. Yeah, but it's kind of that like Yete. It's, it's yeah. yeah, it's the the nature uh, physicalized into like a mammal. You know. Yeah, I listened to a podcast with Les Strude where he said he was in the. Well, he, this guy, you know who uh, Survivor Man is? That's Les yeah. Strude, right? And. Um, he said he claimed when he was in the middle of Alaska, somewhere in Alaska, and he heard in the in the it's just complete silence, uh, the remoteness of Alaska. He heard that, and he he went back up by himself to, to figure it out. And mm-hmm. this is a guy that's lived in the boreal forest that's claimed in, in the middle of the winter that he could hear the rotation of the earth. That's how silent it was. So he's yeah. been to some pretty remote places. I believe in Bigfoot. And I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, because it's one of my favorite things to bring up on this show. Even if he's not real, people, let's realize there are people out there getting paid to look for a mythical creature. What the fuck are we doing? Right. How cool is that? There's people out there, like, searching for Bigfoot. They're on TV making money. Like, whether he's real or not, that's awesome. Yeah. So you can do anything with your life. You could look for Bigfoot or Loch Ness Monster get National Geographic to sponsor you, yeah. bring in some scientists. Bumble snowman. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Dude, Yeti's real. Yeah. I don't want to get into that either. <laughs> <laughs> you can do anything, people. Um, if you had any life advice for me, man, what would it be? For you, you know? Or for the listeners, everyone. For for our uh, valued listeners, I would just say if you, if you think up something that seems scary and daunting and that you can't do it, do it because that's how you're going to grow. You push yourself past that fear and you'll love it. It's going to be the best thing. I mean, you got to do those scary things to really grow as a person, I feel like. That's what we were designed to do. That is encoded in our DNA is to be uncomfortable and to persevere or die. Yeah. Or die trying. You know, I'm not going to say it's always going to go 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 down From well of evolution. But <laughs> But, you know, what was the most spiritual moment you had? Because I... Yeah, you know, uh, I'm not much of a spiritual person. But uh, I I think... uh, I I really feel like spirituality is dependent on each person. And and for me, like, I take a more humanist standpoint Mm -hmm. that, like, we're all kind of collected somehow. And I think for me, it was the amount of support that random strangers gave to us. That's, that's one thing I was going to talk about that, like, I don't think we would have been able to do as much as we did without people just going out of their way to help us. Like they have no, they have nothing to gain from it besides just being good people. And like, they would invite us into their homes. They would feed us, tell us their stories, hear our stories, uh, take us places if we needed to go. And like, I don't know. I feel like, you know, our society right now is so selfish and, and, not willing to go out of their way to help people to like have that happen was kind of mind-blowing for having people to just like oh well you need a place to stay come live with us for a day or two like for no reason and i I would never i would have never done that and so for having people to do that for me i was just like man that makes me feel like an awful person Yeah. (laughs) yeah that yeah but you you've changed now yeah, you would do that. Oh yeah, because you realize the benefit. You who knows like, they they impacted and changed your life, and mm-hmm. you every one of us has an ability to impact and change someone's life. It's whether we make the choice to do it or not. Mm-hmm. I would we all have a that. choice. Yeah, we have choices to make. And so like my dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I. I think some of the best moments that I had were meeting people that were not hiking that just wanted to, to help us was, was really great. Shout out to uh, Brenda from Tehachapi. She was fantastic. She uh, invited us into her home and we got to spend time with her families and um, just really like live with them. And, and she welcomed us in with open arms and like it was not a problem at all. It's fantastic. 
I'm sure there's others that I'm missing, but yeah, yeah. I have another question for you. How do you want to leave your mark on this world? You know, it's kind of what I'm feeling with my uh, with my studies and and the environment is. Uh, I mean, I feel like there's only so much that a man can do, and I guess there's two things that I feel like I can do is is leave my mark on my kids. So when you have offspring, raise them right because mm-hmm. they're gonna continue your legacy. you you know. Yeah. Um. And so like you have all of your life experiences that you can share with them, and then they make their own, but have yours to be based off of. And yeah. so I feel like that's part of it. The other half is, uh, I, I feel like there's gonna be some big changes coming up in terms of the way that the world runs, and, and when when or how soon that happens is up for debate. But yeah. Uh. I want people to succeed and so that's that's what I'm studying and that's what I'm striving to do is, is to help us survive well yeah I mean the good news is Stephen Hawking said we have a thousand years to get off the planet yeah so we've got time yeah and we're where we're, where will we be in a thousand years I think we'll uh, have you, are you familiar with the cardigan scale uh, no, is that Google that Max? Because I could be talking out of my ass here. I believe the Cardigan <laughs> scale was a, uh, created by some scientists that it, it's it's sort of a, it's sort of a measure for intelligent life. And at the top of the Cardigan scale is this thing called a Dyson sphere. I do know what Dyson. You do you know what Dyson are, sphere yes. is? In yeah. a thousand years, we'll have a Dyson sphere, dude. We'll be able to de- create a device that will encapsulate the sun, and we'll mm. be able to have energy created off of that look where we are now i'm totally we just we just <laughs> it off into, yeah. into uh, to uh being inquisitive but dyson spheres are dope oh they really are um there's uh this great podcast by uh uh stuff you should know i don't know if you're a listener of them i'm not i should be but uh they talk about dyson spheres and so they uh, <coughs> no way dude i'm listening to this podcast right now oh it's a it's a great one um and they uh they talk about is it possible all of the science behind it and uh, how there's actually two systems that they have found in space that exhibit uh, characteristics of what a Dyson sphere would be like. Now, are you talking about the system that? Um, oh boy, give me oh man! I really got to dig deep in the deep and abscesses of my mind to figure this out. Is this is this the system where there's? Like there's 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 a bunch of stars and and stuff and then it just goes there's nothing there like it's just this black void. It, it's kind of like that, but it's uh what I heard was that it's from like its usual output. Like if something were to like get in front of it and block light, yeah, block like one two percent, right? Yeah, sixty five percent of the light is blocked. Yes, okay. Yeah. I I stumbled upon that uh, during one of my m- frantic sleepless nights on the internet reading shit yeah and it freaked me out well it didn't freak, it made me it got me all pumped and excited like, yeah no there's way. aliens oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh that is that is one of the, the mysteries i'm trying to get a um how's that coming max dude i found it's kardashian Kardashev. What did I say? The cardigan. Cardigan. Kardashev. Thank you. I'm sorry. There's different levels of civilization. So currently, we are at type one civilization on the Kardashev scale, which is planetary stuff. So we live on a planet with a sun. And able to influence the the planet kind of mildly. Kind of. And then there's the type two, where it's a harness energy from the planet's stuff parent star and then the type three is where it can just control the galaxy's energy yeah totally and that's that's the dyson sphere well I, you guys all learned something today uh i don't know how i know that this is why i have max dude yeah. i don't like some my brain just fucking absorbs things i'm um, the same way yeah, yeah that's good i'm glad you know about yeah. it oh man um do you know what uh type in vg1991 I need to find an astronomer and pick their brain about this. Yeah. It's coming back. It is a, um, a, they believe it's a probe. It's, it's they, a scientist found this in 91, mm-hmm. and it's, it orbits, I am, I'm, for people that listening, if you're strong, I am totally butchering this, and I'm sorry, <laughs> but it's, 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 ba- it's buried in my brain. Um, they found it. They found its uh, its gravitational pull doesn't make sense on the Earth, so they think it's orbiting or or powered by something, mm-hmm. and they think it might be a probe. 
hmm. an, an alien probe, Ooh. and uh, it's coming back. I think in 2017. Yeah, VG 1991. Mm. Do you find it, Max? Yeah, is that the Wikipedia? Ooh, Wikipedia. All right, uh, Wikipedia is legit. I, you know, f it, whatever. Yeah. This is what we've got. The um, professors that there's speculation that it could be a, a rocket body from a satellite from the early 70s or from the Apollo 12 mission. Okay, but, but we, uh, what's weird about it? Possible monolithic structure. Is that the one that looks like nothing that we've seen before or that we would have launched into space? Yes, that's the one. It's yeah. com- is it tell us when is it coming back close to Earth? Um, I think it's this year. I do not see when it's going to be close again. I'm looking. You keep looking. I think it's coming back. I'm not I'm definitely not sure on that one, but I need to find an astronomer, someone I can talk to about that cuz I I just don't know a lot about it and I want to know cuz I love aliens. Although, you know, if you listen, you should check out my podcast with uh, Thomas Graham. He doesn't believe in aliens. Really? Oh, it's so dark. Yeah, I wanted. I was trying to remember exactly what Mr. Graham said about his alien comment. I it la- made me laugh so hard. My goodness, he doesn't believe that they exist because they've already killed themselves. Yeah, and this I mean, is the guy that wrote that that basically ended the Cold War with his. Oh, that <laughs> Thomas Graham. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah heard about him. Super dark, dude. But hilarious. Well, did he bring up the? Uh, did he bring up the? Was it the Fermi paradox or the? Uh, uh, Oh, the Fermi is that if there is such intelligent life, where are they? Yeah, yeah, I, I, okay. yeah. It's kind of that same one, or how there's like a there's a a limiting factor to why there aren't galactic civilizations. Like, um, is can you travel faster than the speed of light? Like, is that is that the limiting factor? Yeah. And so if, if you can't, how do you how do you make a galactic civilization? I don't know, man. Yeah. Like I, right. I do not know. I love thinking about it, though. Oh yeah. I certainly do. I, it's one of those things. It doesn't. It doesn't. Pla- I'm so busy now that it doesn't plague me as much as I used to. But I, I, uh, that's one thing I've um, kind of wrote down is I'm always on the go constantly mm-hmm. with uh, the new job we started and this podcast and uh, just life in general. I need to have days where I don't do anything, and it's something I'm working on. Like mm-hmm. I want to just sit home and read and, yeah. and chillax and, and think. By myself, meditate a little bit. I med- oh, try yeah. to meditate every day, but um, just really plan for the next week and and my goals. And I don't when I'm busy on the weekends having fun or whatever. I don't do that. I think every I think I need to reset more. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What have you found? Do you found anything that works on in that? Avenue? In terms of in terms of resetting or or just thinking about stuff. I mean. I guess it depends on like what you really concern yourself with. So like I mean you you you're an inquisitive mind. You you do think about this and like I think you kind of just have to realize that like there's questions that are more important than you and so like yeah, you need to take some time to to think about them and come to your own answers. Uh what works for me really is um if I'm if I'm reading a book or, or I have a thought, I've always been the type of guy to like when that thought pops into my head, just take it as far as I can. Ooh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, don't, so, don't, no limitations. No limitations, and so like, what's what's great about Max is I can just say stuff, and and usually he's just like, yeah, I know what you're saying. And uh, I have a friend Christian that I met here who's the exact same way. Yeah. Where, and so we just bounce ideas off, and and I really like that. I mean, one thing that uh, yeah, it's important to bounce. That's what this podcast is about: yeah. is bouncing ideas off, proving them, or. or what and whatnot, but I, I that's one thing I fear about in today's world is the fact that ideas are being killed, and it's I mean it's not good, it's not good to think in certain terms, but at the same time everyone should be allowed to think whichever way they please, right? Um, and I don't think we we do enough of that. I don't think that people think enough. I think that another thing that pisses me off is having. This is gonna sound having opinions. I'm trying not to have opinions. Like I, or maybe keep them to myself. Or, or if someone has a, a differing opinion than I do, then just let that play out. Figure mm-hmm. out why they have it instead of telling them they're wrong. Because I have decided I don't really know a lot. Yeah. I don't really know anything. I don't. 
Have I read the legislation and whatnot? Have most people? No, most people just see a news snippet or whatever without doing the research. So I'm trying to not do that at all. I'm just Mm -hmm. going, I'm going to play dumb most of the time and just Mm -hmm. listen. Yeah, there's a a quote that I apply to opinions, and it's, uh, the only bad advice is unsolicited advice. So I like to view it the same way as that unsolicited opinions are bad opinions you shouldn't have to just state it to to make it like if we're all talking about a, a question or a topic you bring your opinions up but not not just be like well this is what i think about this out of nowhere because you're like well i don't care <laughs> we're not cool. <laughs> nice that's nice for cool, you cool so. story bro yeah, yeah. <laughs> man i i had a blast and i definitely want to have you on and get get see if you can get me in touch with that legend the legend yeah i would love to talk with him i am i have a weird obsession with the prairies yeah and the mid the midwest i mean i haven't really even seen it that much i drove through nebraska in a blizzard in the middle of april and that was about it i saw buffalo that was cool that would be fun uh but i love the prairies and i I would love to to do that nebraska kansas those flat just just this sounds beautiful my sounds uh, glorious the plains yes there's uh so a couple of the people i met on the trail they uh they'd hike the continental divide and uh a little bit of drug use in the story but they Mm. they had they were up on this hillside Mm -hmm. and there was this vast plains in front of them and they had taken some uh magic mushrooms oh hell yeah and uh they had um i don't really know a herd or a pack but there was a pack of wild mustang horses that were just running around the plains and these guys are out in the middle of nowhere just watching these wild horses run around and they probably crying this is so awesome oh yeah they were like it was amazing like we didn't hike anymore that day we just watched the horses run around (laughs) 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 oh man yeah oh dude unicorn yeah yeah unicorn it's that that childlike wonderment of like, wow, isn't nature beautiful? Drugs are great. Drugs are, <laughs> yeah, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Well, man, I have had a blast having oh, yeah. you on this podcast. I've learned a lot. Learned a lot about you. Learned a little bit about myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to do this. Yeah, now. I would. I, I would recommend it. I'm about to run a half marathon. Oh, congratulations! No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's. I don't want to do this. I had a friend that I don't say no to things. Oh. And he was like, "Dude, let's do it." And I was, I was like, "Yeah, why not? Like, what's the worst that could happen? I'll be in pain for a few hours." So I gotta start training for that and all this when bullshit. It? It's you don't need June, tw- June twenty third. Oh, uh, you've got plenty. I got time. plenty of time. I'm doing it. I'm yeah. saying it. I'm saying it on the podcast. I'm, I'm, do- I'm gonna freaking do this. I'm trying. I'm trying to clean up my language. I think I'm doing good. Yeah, that's great doing good nice save there yeah it is but anyways my minors of intelligence and consciousness i miss i, I miss this I, I look forward to doing this podcast you guys you everyone listening thank you so much i appreciate it i love you all thank you to coming on the show yeah thank Max, you for having thanks me. for googling and uh is there anything eric that um you any are you involved in anything you have a any, what do you mean anything like, you want to try and promote plug um, I guess, uh, well, I'm, I'm a part of a lot of, uh, sustainability programs. So I guess, I guess the biggest thing I could promote is, uh, try and, try and watch how much water you use. Cause, uh, I carried my water usage on my back and water weighs a lot and you, we use a lot in our society for things that are not necessary. So be mindful, be sustainable and, uh, I don't know, keep living green. I like that. Wise words from a wise man. All right, everybody. I love you. Peace. Hey, Infinity Break fans. Do you want to show your support and devotion for an extremely obscure group of entertainers? Well, now you can. Just go to our website at infinitybreak.net and click on the shop tab to be whisked away to our Redbubble, where you can find all sorts of awesome shirts, stickers, notebooks, and other gadgets decked out with icons from all of our most popular shows. Act now, because that stuff will be there forever.